Hello, hello. It is your friend, Phoenix Lassiden. I am coming back today with a poem dump. Or like a... So I have, you know, we have a notepad on mobile phones, whether it's the memo or notes. I don't remember what it's called on iPhone for some reason. But I just ran through. I'm like, oh, you have all these writing prompts in here. You should really start to work with them. So... I decided to do a dump, and then if you guys, if there's something that you guys feel like, hey, you should definitely run with that, leave me a voice message so that I can play it on the podcast and we can talk about it. Um, We can talk about it, and I will do more with it. I I could use the the push. Um, Just before we get started, though, something that came to my mind because um, it came to my attention that... Someone brought it to my attention that I need to post more episodes. That the once a week really isn't cutting it. (laughs) And I'm just like paralyzed because I have commitment issues and that shit carries through everything except for my job. Because that's safe. That's stable. That's what I know. Um, But to be honest, while I appreciate my job, don't get me wrong. I can't pass that on to my kids. And I forgot who I was talking to, but I sort of spiraled out of control mentally. I was like, oh, my God. And they don't care about you. You pass away. There's going to be a stranger in your cubicle cleaning that shit up to send it to what to walk it to the security desk so that one of your family members can take it. And then that's it. And I I don't I don't want that. (laughs) But. You have to choose your difficulty. You have to choose your hard, okay? Now, before I get into the examples of that, I want you to know that I'm not shaming anyone and that we as a group have to learn to be okay with observations. And some observations are not pleasant. Observations are uncomfortable. And we get into like, well, who asked you? No one, but I'm allowed to have my opinions. I'm allowed to have my observations. And in this space, what I like to keep in mind are the three gates of communication. Is it kind? And you say yes or no. Okay, so if it's not kind, is it true? And you say yes or no. So if it's not true, you don't need to say that shit. If it is true, the next question is, is it helpful? And if it's not helpful, you don't need to say that shit. So ideally, you want to make sure it's kind. But if it's not kind, okay, but is it true? All right, well, yeah, it's true. Okay, well, is it helpful? No, not necessarily. Okay, well, keep it to yourself. Yeah, it's helpful. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and share it in the most delicate way possible. That being said, let's just full circle this. When we talk about choosing your difficulty, you can choose to be overweight or you can choose to get in shape. Now, being overweight is caused by so many different things. Genetics, apparently. I'm not, you know, I'm not a scientist. I don't, I'm not a doctor. But I've heard that genetics is a reason. 
food addiction, which I know I definitely struggled with food addiction at some point. Um, mental health. So, you know, food addiction aside, you eat when you are feeling a certain emotion. Okay. And then you've got, you know, a litany of other health issues. And there are people who were fit at one point and they maybe have been injured and now they're overweight. And all of that is incredibly difficult. It's hard on your body. It's hard on your mind. It's hard on your wallet. And it, I'm, I can only imagine that it's not easy. I'm certainly obese. Let's be clear. By the BMI scale, I am morbidly obese. And I have struggled with my weight my entire life, not realizing in the beginning it was probably unnecessary. So that is all difficult for many reasons. Now let's talk about being healthy. Or let me take that away because sometimes people who are overweight are actually healthy. Um, So let's talk about being fit, going to the gym, being athletic getting yourself dressed to go to the gym, finding time to go to the gym. Because really, as I'm sitting scrolling on my phone or recording this podcast or driving to the breakfast drive-thru, those are times where I could be working out. So you just think about finding time, getting dressed, finding the gym, finding the money for the gym, or being comfortable working out around other people. There was a time where I felt stupid working out around other people. Like, look at how my body is just flapping all over the place. Don't look at me. <laughs> and it was difficult. But what? which one? Because they're both difficult. Which one do I prefer? Which one serves me? Which one gives me the highest good? And that's not to say, look, some people are comfortable being overweight. If that's if you're comfortable being overweight and you feel like the pros outweigh the cons on that side, then by all means, continue. It's nobody's business but your own. But for me personally, I thought, you know what? It's hard to get dressed. It's hard to motivate myself to get to the gym. But... I am going to go because I find that I feel better when I go to the gym overall, mentally, physically. um, I'm impressed with myself. I love the way my breasts look after a couple of sessions at the gym. They get a little perky. This whole thing called muscle memory. It's a flex and I love it. But you know what else I think, though? Being confident and overweight is a flex. And people feel like, oh, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be. No, it is because people make people who are overweight feel bad. They shame them. So if they're overweight out here in a two-piece, hell yeah, you flexing. You look damn good. Absolutely. But again, to take it full circle, you have to choose which one is difficult. Uh, Being an entrepreneur versus being an employee. Some people really are not built for entrepreneurial lifestyle and that's fine there's no judgment there don't get wrapped up in the social media hype of oh I couldn't be no employee and blah 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 no 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 no. some people are better suited there that's why we have entrepreneurs and employees because some people really do fit better there they're comfortable there and there's nothing wrong with it I personally I don't want to be an employee I don't like the interview process I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like the way my experience is always trumped by a college degree. 
Because let's face it, a 23-year-old coming out of college does not have the same experience as a 33-year-old who has college credits but decided to get to work. So we're doing the same thing. And yeah, we're doing the same thing. And now my pay is dictated by that. And I don't like that. Some people are okay with it. I got wrapped into, and I don't know if I posted this episode or if I'm going to, I don't, I don't remember. I should really start writing this stuff down. But um, I left school so that I could work. And then I had my kids. And I realized I can't do retail with these kids because the retail hours were insane. And I was an assistant manager, not a store manager. So it was really difficult to dictate my schedule. So I ended up going and getting into corporate. Um, and I was I was working just to pay for daycare at one point. And it was a pain in the ass. And my friend sat me down and, you know, we made the transition into corporate. It took maybe two years. And it doesn't have to take two years. That's just the, the route, the path that I took. Um, oh, no, you know what? It took a little longer than two years. But time flies. We'll get into that another time. My whole point is that it's difficult recording content. It's difficult, especially when you're an overthinker like myself, especially when there's so many things on your plate and you're trying to figure out which is best. Now I get to work and this whole thing about the college degree. And so they're like, now you can get your college degree. Yay. And I'm like, yay. I go back to school. I kill it doing like 3.6 GPA. I'm really busy, but you know what I'm not doing? I'm not writing books. I'm not writing poems. I'm not having sex. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm not doing anything that I enjoy. And just to jump back at this point, four years, I lost my best friend in a car accident, a motorcycle accident. And I know for a fact he wasn't happy. But he chose a different level of diff- he, he chose a different path of difficulty. He chose serving others and not being like the happiest. And he passed away. He passed away unhappy. And I feel like if it's in my control, and I said this when he passed away, if, if it's in my control, I am not going to do things that make me unhappy. So I left my boyfriend at the time, my kid's father. We broke up. Um, and I, then, you know, the path kind of changed. And so now, like I said, I'm working and I'm in school. I'm not doing anything creatively. And that wasn't intentional. And it was difficult. Just as, just as difficult as sitting up all night, making my own book covers, sitting up all night, writing chapter after chapter, rereading chapter after chapter. That's not easy either. So because they're both difficult, you have to think about, well, which one is going to serve my higher purpose? Which one is going to make me happier? I don't want to sit in a cubicle while they dangle a carrot in front of my, over my face for what, an extra $3,000? Nah, I'm good. It's not what I want. Some people want it. I see people so happy and proud to have finished school, and it is certainly an accomplishment, one that I would have loved to have but not for the sake of my dreams. It's just something for you guys to think about. So you just have to choose what is going to serve you. That's the point. That's the point of this entire diatribe is to say, choose your difficulty. Figure out what's going to serve you best 
and how the how that's going to affect even affect the people around you like your children or your spouse okay that being said let's get into it i'm just gonna ramble on for five minutes reading notes and then maybe spewing out random thoughts on the notes i don't i don't really remember (laughs) if you're still here thank you so much for listening uh let's get into it All right, so just a heads up, um, some of these poems are on the erotic side. Uh, Some of them are not. So it's like a mix of writing prompts and uh, poems and monologues. And so I'm going to start with this one from October 24th, 2019, which I don't think I realized the date when I wrote this. Um, I just like skimmed through it, but my... (laughs) This is about my late best friend. Hmm. I'm a little, I don't, I don't remember writing this the day before his birthday. He passed away Memorial Day weekend and I, I I don't, I didn't realize this is the day before his birthday. So I'm thinking, and I don't know if I ever sent this message, but I know I used to talk to his sister about the visions I'd have um, of him. And the visions have recently stopped. So I kind of wish I kept them to myself so that they would continue. But instead of seeing him, what I do get are little um, things that remind me of him, like a scent or an event or, you know, just like little things, a song. But I don't actually get to see him. So this is what I wrote. The day before his birthday. Um, Oh, and you know what? That makes sense to what I said in the beginning. All right. So it says, hi. I never really know what day it is. The date. I mean, I only ever know it long enough to accomplish something like appointments or meetings. And I was having a pretty, pretty rough dream. I could feel my teeth were clenched and I wasn't quite sleeping. At the end of the dream, or at least the part that made me wake up, I saw Stephen. He was too far to see me, but close enough that he might have been able to see me had he been standing still. Remember how lean and athletic he was? At the end of my dream, he was leaping so high and spinning midair like a dancer. He was smiling and holding a violin. He was only wearing a scully and black cargoes and sneakers. There was a sprouting fountain right behind him. Sometimes I find myself eager to learn if there is an other side and what it looks like and if I'll see him there. That's a little sad. All right, and so... I wrote that. I wrote that a day before his birthday. So I guess I had a dream about him. He came to me. But to show me like he's okay, he's happy. I don't know. And I don't think his sister ever responded. I don't remember him playing the violin, but I do know that he was instrumental. Like he was he was so good at so many things. He really was someone special. 
Um, all right, so the next one is called Clarity, and I wrote that December 15th in 2019. Oh, this was after, after, yeah, after I broke up with that guy. Can you believe a whole year has gone by? We've been in a pandemic for a whole year. Never in my life did I imagine that we'd be in a fucking pandemic. Anyway, this is called Clarity. There's clarity in your pain if you enable yourself to dig through its cause. Emotional turmoil is temporary, not depression or anxiety, not grief. I mean, bruised egos and damaged pride. Use your introspection. Remember who you are at your core. What is heartache other than damaged pride? Considering the compromises and changes made to self, to accommodate someone else in your otherwise secluded space. Steadily I sip on a lit stick of poison as I parse through this satire to make it make sense to me. And then I didn't, that was it. That was the end of that. Um, December 31st. Oh, this is me describing the perfect date. You know, I don't know if I said this in the beginning, but some of, some of these poems are explicit. But we don't get there until maybe part two, I think. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, so sad. Okay. I'm sorry. I was just skimming through the other the other poems. This is this is based on a true story. Less the last part, um, which I'll clarify when we get to the end. Oh, it's time for me to get my nails done. Um, all right. You call me at around seven in the morning on a Sunday. I'm still asleep. Of course, I pretend not to be when you ask me what I'm doing. Then you tell me to be ready in an hour. You picked me up from my house and we went for a drive. We drove and drove until we found a restaurant at a park with outdoor seating. There's an art gallery being set up in the park. We look on with curiosity. After breakfast, we decided to walk around the exhibit. We stop at a stand with handmade brass and gold collars. You ask the lady if I can try one on, and she eagerly obliges. I'm a little frozen in shock, but I turn and lift my hair so that she can clasp it around my neck. We all admire its beauty. You tell her you're going to buy it for me, and now she and I are even more shocked. You hook your finger into the small gap between my neck and the gold collar. And you pull me close so that we're nose to nose. And you whisper, you're my kitten now. That's actually, like I said, that's based on a true story. Except it wasn't a collar. It was a necklace. There was a handmade Italian glass. She said it was Italian glass. Um, beautiful chokers. And he didn't call me his kitten, but he certainly treated me like one. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Okay, and so this one I wrote January 5th, trying to cope with that fuck-ass breakup at 4.30 in the morning. Jeez. 
I don't know if I want to read this one. It's too late now, I guess, because I already said it. <sighs> okay. There was a man whose voice could shift mountains. Every time he smirked, selenite would shed from my heart and lungs. I was breathing again without noticing. Wildflowers bloomed in the cracks of my soul. It amazes me how quickly time passed when in fact it was creeping by. We floated and we flew until the storm clouds rolled in. We were swept away in a river, then dumped out at sea, separated, lost, ripped from one another. Or maybe he pulled away from me. I was washed ashore, disoriented and alone. The mountains no longer shifted. Oxygen no longer came easy. The flowers crumbled. Only immense pain from trying to fight the current. Soreness, emptiness. In time, we all heal. In time, the waves get smaller and are less frequent. Or so I've heard. Father time is less forgiving in moments of anguish. He's slower. Perhaps to allow reflection. Maybe to allow moments of gratitude. I'm grateful for being swept away. Grateful to no pain so that I may relish in pleasure, but it still hurts to breathe. Alrighty, let's see. And this one, January 9th, in the year of our Lord, 2020, the year of our Lord. Let's see. What's that one? This says, I miss the way you taste. I miss the way you'd pry my throat open with your cock. Mm. Tears racing, drool running, feed me. I'm your good girl. Child, I can't believe I wrote that. I can, because I, I mean, I write erotica, but at the same time, like who I wrote it for, I'm just like, girl, ew. Isn't it funny how that happens? I'm reading these. I don't like that I ever felt this way about this person in particular. I almost feel like he didn't deserve it, but whatever. March 21st, 2020. My king, I eagerly kneel at your feet like a child and hang on your every word, every detail, every bit of discord you sow and celebration you express, I take as my own. I long for you in silence as you are single, but we are one. And I'm not one to stumble eagerly into the throes of monogamy. Onlookers say you'll be the death of me, but it is I who will be my own undoing. I see. I sit. I stay. Eagerly. Loyally. Lovingly. Adoringly. Until I self-destruct. I wrote that shit for the same MF in person, y'all. Because in March, we broke up in December. We were still kind of going back and forth in January. We stopped having sex in December. But I would still come see him. And, like, do work for him for his business. And, like, little stuff just to be around him. And he would call me. And it was so funny because... I felt like I was the only one being obvious about how I felt. But he would call me for stupid shit all the time. And so 
in March, I was still very much invested and I was trying to, I was desperate. I was so desperate. Anyway, a month later, April 21st, I wrote, it's called Healing. Heal me. Purify my spirit. My ribs are already cracked. My heart is fully exposed. Help me. And I remember feeling that way too. Man. Let me see. This is the last one before we go on a break. And then I'll read the, obviously read the rest. Let's see. This one is called Dodging Bullets. I wrote that seven days after that whole thing about my heart being uh, exposed. Yo, heartbreak is so violent. (laughs) Anyway, all right. So Dodging Bullets. The thing about dodging a bullet is that it's painful. The way your chest burns as you haul ass in the opposite direction. Your lungs are to capacity and your heart is swelling. You think you might not make it, so you stop. You stop running, you turn around, and you allow the bullet to rip through your chest. You feel like your body has been engulfed in flames. The pain you experience is worse than you could have possibly imagined. The ripple effects, the damage, the paralysis is unmatched. All you can think about is what could have happened if you hadn't stopped running. Don't look back. Keep running. And so if you don't understand the connection, um, when was this in April? We had officially stopped talking completely. And I was devastated. Devastated. And, um, uh, devastated. (laughs) And you know what? There's actually some esoteric shit behind that whole incident that I just won't even detail because the dead may be listening. But um, honestly, the dead are always listening. It's kind of creepy. But uh, think about it like this. I'm going to leave you guys with this before we go on a little break. Um. Running, if you're not athletic, will definitely, you you feel all of your organs working overtime. You're breathing, your lungs are burning. Like it is, it's true. Like you're hauling ass. And so think of that like leaving a relationship that's no good for you. When I think back to the relationship I had with him, only the first month was magic. He was a very intense person, and I thought that I liked it because it was like a balance. He wasn't abusive. He wasn't like, towards the end, he said some really, not really, he said two things that hurt my feelings based on my appearance. Like, he said something about my weight that really hurt my feelings. Um, And then he said he didn't mean it, but whatever. So there were moments where he made me feel without words, like he didn't want me around. And then when I'd get ready to go, because I'm definitely not one to linger where I'm not wanted, he would be like, no, I want you to stay. I, like he would, it would be so weird the way he just needed me to stay. And it was like, do you need me to stay so you can ignore me? I don't, I don't really understand. But for the most part, you know, he complained about 
my presence in different ways. Nevertheless, when I say I thought I was dodging a bullet or I think I have dodged a bullet, I I don't I don't know. I don't know. But imagine or you know what? I won't even use him as an example. I'll use my kid's father. It was hurtful to watch him walk away from my car all sad and like, oh, she doesn't love me. She doesn't want to be with me. And I I was just mad at the time. I didn't really have a full picture of who he was as a person. So I told him to come back. He came back to the car. We made up. Everything was fine. And then a couple months later, I realized, bitch, you should have let that motherfucker keep walking. To this day, to this day, despite having two beautiful children, I'd be thinking, girl, you got to learn to dodge that bullet fully and completely. So when I wrote about dodging the bullet, it was me thinking about how many times we stay in a situation that, you know, there are red flags present, but not evident. So it's what is it? The absence of evidence isn't the evidence of absence. And we, you know, we pooch along regardless. And sometimes it's not the right answer. And so constantly I struggle with, should I have fought for this relationship? Because none of us are perfect. Um, or did I dodge a bullet? And with that, we'll go on to a commercial break. All righty. Thank you so much. I hope that you're still here. It was a very short break, guys. Come on, come on. Um, okay, so I wrote something about radical radical acceptance. So that was July 2nd. Um, my current struggle is practicing radical acceptance, appreciation, and forgiveness. Radical acceptance of people not respecting or acknowledging and receiving my feelings. Radical acceptance of my current situation or layover in my journey. People not understanding or receiving my point of view in different situations. And then this is a big one, is radical acceptance of rejection. It's hard. I think we all operate to the best of our ability at any given time, be it with low vibrations or high, we are giving our version of 100% at any given moment, and it's incumbent that we understand the following to be true. 100% is different for you than it is for me. As we learn, grow, and evolve, your 100% will vibrate higher. I wrote that because I had a friend, somebody I thought was a friend, and perhaps I'm just incredibly naive, but the guy who, back in 2013, we were going to work together, and we didn't, and I kind of forgot all about him, and he followed me on Instagram, and I think I followed him, but I thought he was somebody else the whole time. Long story short. Over the um, course of the, what do you call it? Over the course of the um, pandemic, we ended up getting close because I'm like, you know what? Let me start working. So I reached out to him again, thinking he was somebody else. And then through after a couple months, I realized that he was somebody that has known me 
for quite some time. So he's watched me post on Instagram faithfully. And I don't, I don't even remember if he posted often at all. But we got into a disagreement because I started to kind of like him. But I knew that he wasn't fully available. So I thought, okay, we can at least hang out as friends. There's no harm in that. And he stood me up. And when I questioned him about standing me up, he cut me off. It was so weird. And my feelings were hurt because I thought we were friends. But then thinking about it more and more, I was like, wait a second. You allowed someone who's been like... And it's, it, you know what? It's kind of weird. Because I don't fa- fancy myself as any influencer or anything to that, of that nature. But I'm going to make the comparison. When you meet someone new, and you really think it's someone new, but it turns out that this is somebody who has been keeping up with you for a long time, it's really kind of strange. Because you open yourself up to parts of your life, you open them, you let them in to parts of your life that they wouldn't ordinarily be able to see. But you didn't know that. You're regarding them as a completely new person, but for them, it's like inside information. But that's like my new, that's my new understanding of it. And why you have to be careful with who you start to interact with. Um... And so I wrote this the same day, Life Imitating Art. It says, (laughs) this is more of a monologue, I guess. I laid across Mama's large heather brown sofa, wistfully staring through the balcony doors. The wind whipped and twisted the trees about. So I got up to open the door and a window, hoping to compensate for the broken central air unit. There was no cross breeze to be had, so I resumed my position on the couch. The questions looming in the hollow spaces of my mind wouldn't remain long enough for me to recall them. I watched the petals of the hibiscus bend to the wind's will and lamented in silence. The room grew hotter as the whirring of the metal cat-shaped fan forced the hot air about the room. The West African woman charged with keeping Mama's house clean and tidy hummed a gospel melody as she unbraided my daughter's hair. I paused for a moment, closed my eyes, and inhaled deeply. Is this my life? I shifted uncomfortably, and then I thought, I hate these niggas so much. All of them. And so this was coming from a space thinking about both my ex and the guy that I thought was actually trying to be my friend. Um, Which is, you know, there's a little more to the story. When it comes to the guy, he was a photographer. But we won't get into that. The whole point is that I thought about, you know, this is actually some weird summertime coming-of-age movie scene. That's why I titled, entitled it Life Imitating Art. Because, um, you know, I'm laying down. I'm sulking. I'm sad. The woman who cleans Mommy's house and, like, runs errands for her or whatever, she's there. 
And on this day, she's taking the braids out of my daughter's hair as I'm sulking because for whatever reason, and not for whatever reason, I just, I couldn't, when I'm sulking, I'm so committed and dedicated to that shit. It's, it's sad. So I was just kind of like, you need to get up and do something, but there are other people around you essentially taking care of it. And so it was kind of like me, um, checking myself for the headspace that I had put myself in, but also blaming, placing blame on the men that I had had allowed to infiltrate my space. Okay. Oh, this one's a little spicy, y'all. <laughs> okay, this is called I Wish, and I wrote it July 4th. I wish to give you whatever you ask of me. I want to feel your fingers tickle and trace up my inner thighs, your fingertips tracing my labia, your tongue intertwining with mine, the tip of your cock on the edge of my lips. There's nothing I consider sweeter than this. My mouth waters, my pussy aches and creams. I only want you. Okay, spicy. 7.23, so July 23rd. I want to trace your phallus with my tongue. I want you to part my lips with your erection and coat my throat with your life-giving ashe. Girl, don't bring ashe into this. Um, for people who don't know, ashe means energy, basically. Um, let's see. Oh, this was a really good quote, and I don't know what her name is, but this is how I feel when it comes to interracial relationships. I've dated white guys before, but always in the back of my mind. And this low, this Lovecraft, this quote from Lovecraft, put it in perfectly. Put it in words perfectly. Um, the spirit said, you are not guilty of your forefather's sins, but I do not know your spirit. And I was like, girl, yes, yes, I'm going to be apprehensive because historically y'all motherfuckers be up to no fucking good, but you might not be, you might be, <laughs> you might be a good person, but I ain't playing. I don't, I don't like that feeling. Um... You guys know Screaming For You. I have that one already. Uh, Oh, this one is called... You know, I don't know which one to start or end with. Um, mm -mm -mm. Let's just do Affectionate Pussy. Oh, she just wants to give you a hug and a wet sloppy kiss. I don't think I... I don't think I finished. I think this is actually incomplete, but I wrote it December 24th. And it says, affectionate pussy, she just wants to give you a hug and wet sloppy kisses. A little nasty thing. Okay. This is something that I don't know what happened over the, I I think, and so I know I said this earlier that I have to start writing down what these episodes are about, but um, I got into a space where men... And the older women in my life made me feel so dirty. 
and ashamed of the erotica. And then it occurred to me, my mom used to write little sex notes and shit like that to her dude when I was in high school. Oh, but I could never write me. I could never do something like that. And so it occurred to me like, oh, 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 oh. I took it to the next level by actually publishing the erotica. And now you're clutching your pearls because that should be done in private. And then for the men who comment on how insatiable I am and how I must be fucking someone as much as I loved fucking them. I liked you, dipshit. I liked fucking you. So yes, I fucked you as much as fucking possible because that's what I wanted to do with you. But now you make me feel dirty for it because I'm not fucking you anymore. But I'm not fucking anyone. But because I'm not fucking you, now I'm a whore. (sighs) So that's something that I have to... The subconscious mind is so tricky. It is so tricky. Because things can happen to you enough that it reprograms your subconscious mind without you realizing it. It's like a defense mechanism. And I haven't figured out the trick to undoing it. They say it's just affirmations and reminders of you being in a safe space or you being, you should be able to be who you are unapologetically. And so you have to remind yourself of that. And essentially, when you do that, you are reprogramming the subconscious mind. I don't know. I'm still working on it. There are, over the past year, there have been a lot of realizations. But anyway, I'm going to wrap this up and say thank you for listening. Um, It's a very interesting turn of events, for sure, going through these poems and my state of mind which this is only for the end of 2019 and all of 2020 so there's so many things in on the in-between that I would like to face head-on but thank you so much for sharing this moment with me I appreciate you it is your friend Phoenix Lassiden and I will see you tomorrow 10 after 10